nice to see everyone here, um, especially today. It's the end of the semester. The weather is a little gray, but also really nice. Um, and so it's nice to see people still prioritize this, still come here and share our practice together. Um, so thank you for that. So we've been talking about the precepts here, as we do probably at least once a year in a um, series of talks, which I think really highlights how important uh, these ideas are to practice. Um, although this has been a little bit less structure than usual, the way we usually talk about the precepts. Usually we have one week, precept one. The next week is precept two. And we kind of go through it like that. Um, I'm not sure where we are or if there's any structure to this. Um, so we'll see if this is a departure or not. But I still um, am talking about the precepts. Um, and less structure is good because what I'm saying, I think, is a little bit more of a stretch from the precepts anyway. Um, so since we have been talking about the first precept a lot, um, the precept of no killing and examining, um, also the three pure precepts and the ideas behind how precepts fit into our practice in general, um, I started thinking about the second precept, which on the surface is a precept against stealing um, in the prohibitory uh, wording of that. Um, but to kind of take a more expansive view of that, um, I see that, uh, you know, so we have do not steal as this kind of prohibitory way of wording it, honor the gift not yet given um, as kind of a clear mind precept, um, speaking truth. Uh, interestingly, I came across several places where talking about this idea of, um, well, not truth, I was, I'm confused. I was talking about um, a different one. But um, yeah, one of the things with stealing is holding this thought of, of, of gain and gaining idea um, and really how that kind of ties into this idea of what stealing could be at the base level. Um, and as not stealing being this way of seeing the self and the world and the things around us as the way that they are. Um, and this gaining idea of saying, and I really would rather change all of these different aspects. And so that was a bit more of a stretch kind of from just this basic idea of no stealing. Um, but something that definitely got me thinking more. And I think a lot of these times, Mado will say frequently when we talk about one precept, we talk about all the precepts. Um, so, just to kind of review some of the things that I have noticed as kind of these patterns that have been coming up, um, there's a strong sense here at Oan, um, in particular, at least since I've heard a lot of these precept talks here, of this idea that the precepts aren't rules, um, aren't these just lists of, you know, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Um, and certainly some people practice with them as though they are, and if that, and that works for a lot of people. Um, but... Uh, there's this idea that we've been exploring that these precepts are very dependent on the situation um, and that we are bound to break them, kind of, in a sense. So, 
it seems like a lot of them kind of boil down to this being situationally dependent. Um, it's a little bit simpler, um, but a little bit trickier as well, since we don't really have that idea, this firm, solid rule to rely on. Um, and that kind of applies to every situation, which I think often we would want to have that kind of security in the ideas. Or certainly I see a lot of that um, desire for that sort of certainty of things being a certain way. I see that going on a lot in the world and in my own life. Um, but yeah, but it, it definitely gives us a lot of responsibility then in practicing with these precepts in a way that they are not kind of handed down on a stone from, chiseled in stone from, from a god. Um, and that, yeah, and, so, and I think that we all understand that here. Um, I think that it's something that we talk about a lot as a group and I hear coming up a lot here. Um, and it's, yeah, and it leads to a lot of interesting ideas um, over the years that we've talked about this. So as I was saying, though, was, I've really been kind of focusing in on this no-gaining-idea part um, as this, almost this kind of sense of trying to steal something from reality. Or, you know, you have this something not given to you by, in this set of all of these wonderful things that are given to us, um, but still, still wanting to take that, um, still wanting to take that from the situation. Um... Yeah, and just this kind of this idea of the way that we respond to our life in kind of thinking, you know, my life is offering me this, but then I'm sure in the back room somewhere he's got the, like, secret stash of the, the good stuff, um, and, and, and we want that instead. Um, although, I mean, I guess there's probably not really a back room. I mean, some of these things don't even exist. So... Um, yeah, but when I think about my own practice and my own self, I'm filled with gaining ideas. Um, I have all sorts of goals motivated by a variety of different things. I have all sorts of different ways that I move through the world trying to set things about to kind of line up the way that I'm... Even, even without thinking sometimes, just this almost automatic process I think that we all kind of see, or at least I do with myself... Um, and so, I, I mean, I would guess that we're all filled with these sorts of gaining ideas and that that's just part of being a person. Um, and sometimes I don't even know what it is that I want to be gaining. Sometimes I just know that I just don't want this. Um, and in, in a way, that's kind of a gaining idea. Um, and a lot with me, too. I'm a very restless person. Um, and so, you know, in, in, in Mato's idea of kind of all the talking about one precept, talking about the other precepts, I mean, now we can also talk about the hindrances now. So there really is this kind of linking of all of these different ideas that comes up. Um, even with things that on the surface don't really appear like there would be a link. Um, yeah, I wanted to back up a little bit, though, when I was thinking about this, because I've I know I have a tendency to, to ramble a little bit, um, or a lot, and <laughs> while there are other uh, settings in my life where I rein that in to a, a large degree, I notice myself not reining that in here very much, um, 
and giving these Dharma talks where I kind of wander around, I don't really make a point, and then when I'm done, I'm like, oh, I guess I'm done. Um, and so I wanted to back way up then in thinking that, in, in thinking that this is where I've come from, thinking of this uh, stealing precept. Beyond even the scope of this talk into this question that I think I return to frequently giving Dharma talks of, why am I even sitting here? What is my goal of sitting here? Um, and I think I bring a lot of gaining ideas also into just this role. I know Matt, Matt was going to give the Dharma talk. I think we um, had, there was some unpleasant housework task that was going on in the last couple days in our house, and I didn't want to do it, and he, we bargained away this Dharma talk, <laughs> and um, I don't even remember what I got out of the deal. And so, I mean, that's not the right way to approach <laughs> this either, um, for kind of that sort of selfish gain. Um, but, you know, I think in examining this, even this situation, I can see these sorts of gaining ideas of just like, I don't want to get up here in front of all these people share my foolish musings um, is at least the way I guess I think of it to myself sometimes. Um, but, I mean, in more, in, in more seriousness, when I think of what the purpose is of giving a Dharma talk, for, for me at least, or what my objective is, I think, when giving a Dharma talk, from that perspective, um, it reminds me a lot of what I will hear often from the... This, uh, podcast Dharma talks from the San Francisco Zen Center. I noticed that um, I haven't listened to a lot of them lately. There's this kind of common thread where people will mention at San Francisco Zen Center in particular, although I'm sure people say it elsewhere. Um, in almost every Dharma talk, that a Dharma talk is really this encouragement to practice, um, and and not much more than that. I mean, sure, there can be a lot of insight, there can be a lot of ideas behind that. Um, but we're kind of encouraged to listen to a Dharma talk with an open mind. We're encouraged to not you know, try to conceptualize everything. And it's really this, and I think in doing so, hopefully it's this encouragement to practice. We talk about kind of books and things being this Dharma entertainment. Um, but that being said, there is an importance to a Dharma talk. Um, and so... I think to expand that idea of encouraging us to sit, encouraging us to practice wholeheartedly, um, when we're talking about a Dharma talk about the precepts, um, in its simplest form, I think a, that a Dharma talk, or at least maybe this Dharma talk, is really that same sort of encouragement, an encouragement of, of, of practicing with the precepts. Um, and... And also to encourage myself um, to practice with the precepts, since, for example, I took this wonderful opportunity, that this very meaningful thing to me, and bargained it away so I didn't have to wash the dishes. Um, and, yeah, to take things like that and to stop for a second and, 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 and look at our intentions, look at our... Um, the way that our actions are related to, to other things. Um, and so to encourage us then in the simplest form, I, up on the altar when we were walking by, and it's been there for a few weeks, there's the, first, the three pure precepts. Um, and I've seen so many different translations of that. 
Um, but I think in a lot of the older texts, you'll see it kind of boiled down really simply to just do good things, don't do bad things, purify the mind. Um, and then, I mean, it goes from there to a lot of different kind of interpretations. Um, and I'm kind of a more open interpretation here, more kind of in the spirit of Zen that we have written up here, um, which I, I would encourage people to look at um, while you're walking by. Um, but yeah, so just encouragement then to look at my own intentions, to look at our intentions and examine those effects. Um, and to keep practicing that way, despite the fact that we're all humans um, and that we all don't follow the precepts constantly, sometimes in small ways, sometimes in really large ways. Um, and so we also talk here a lot about kind of this adaptation of Zen to from something from quite a different culture um, and also something from kind of a not much of a lay person householder setting more of a monastic setting within that culture to sanghas like us um, where as far as I know we, we all have kind of lay lives and responsibilities and um, you know different things that we're thinking about and concerning ourselves with that that you know maybe hundreds of years ago, a person in a monastic setting might not have needed to. Uh, and one way that I think we do this, um, and I hear this coming up a lot often in terms of what people are talking about regarding this sort of practice, is that this, this idea of really leaning into being a human, and rather than kind of leaning away from that and trying to distance ourselves from those sorts of things, you know, this kind of leaning into admitting to everyone here that I took this responsibility and bargained it away for it, it, it's. I, I think that that sort of, I think that that sort of kind of vulnerability, maybe is is a word for it, maybe authenticity or openness, I, I, don't, I don't know, because there's a lot of different things I can think to kind of go with that. But um, yeah, I think that's one way that we practice with these precepts. So I wanted to read something that I felt, um, that it's been rolling around in my mind a, a, a little bit, kind of related to this idea. And uh, this is from an email that I had just randomly shown up in my inbox from the Dharma Lions, who is a Penn State um, student-led meditation group. And they practice with all sorts of different, it's a very open kind of idea of a, of a, of a practice group. They practice with people from all different traditions or no tradition um, this, and have discussions about it. But I'm on their email list. Um, and a few weeks ago, they... Um, had included something. Usually there's a, some sort of quote or a story or an anecdote or, or some, some sort of text to it um, to kind of get, give, you, give you something to read. And there was something in there that was written anonymously. Um, and uh, that, that, that already is kind of rare for the way they usually do it. And I wanted to read that because I've been thinking about that um, in terms of this. And I think that they, in, 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 in this email, I think I really kind of heard this idea of what I imagine myself doing here right now, but in a much 
better way than I think I can say right now. So, um, or at least what I hope to be able to do in this circumstance. So, and again, this is just, this was posted anonymously. Um, it's hard to know what to say when you're confused. Maybe what you want to say has already been said, but where could it be? Tell me how you're feeling when you're not okay. How lucky it feels being a webmaster. It's not easy writing. You may think it's easy writing emails for Dharma Lions. You may be wrong. First, you must hide your true identity from the world to ensure that no one discovers that you aren't a highly enlightened being and not just another human. We must be inspiring but authentic. We must show care for your problems, but we must be honest. We must teach you something you don't know, but not preach that we know better. We must be fearless leaders. Perhaps going to a meditation and having the teacher break down in tears and anxiety would teach you a lot. Sometimes it's tough to be a human. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's hard to tell which. Identity, community, purpose, Dharma Lions can help. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be confused. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to be awake. It's okay to be thirsty. It's okay to want to go home. It's okay to stay in school. It's okay to drop out. It's okay to go eat some food. Um, and so, yeah, so I've read that. I've been thinking about it um, a lot since then. Um, and really just this recognition, I think, even outside of Oan, I see it all sorts of places, of this idea of not trying to be all of these different things, of, of just being this, um, and, the, and, and the importance of just being this for this practice. That's not to say that the precepts don't matter and that, you know, because, I, because as we practice, we should be very mindful, and I think that inevitably we'll see the ways that our actions affect um, the people around us and, the, and in, in, in ways that we can't even see. Um, but, yeah, this, this important idea. And so this idea of it's okay to be scared, it's okay to be confused, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Um, as kind of another list to stand next to don't, 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 and really live in that in-between space um, is at least my understanding of what Zen practice encourages. So, um, yeah, so somehow we got from stealing to here. Um, and, but I think overthinking of this, over kind of writing this talk, I think we're really what kind of distilled out of this was this idea of the fact that we need all of our kind of rougher human edges in order to practice the precepts. Um, we need all of these, we need, to, we need these times when we break the precepts in order to practice the precepts um, because both sides of that are part of our practice fundamentally. And that we need to be strong in a way um, courageous in a way. I like that in the Shambhala tradition. They talk about um, this, this idea of a spiritual warrior, um, not as someone kind of going out and bringing violence to the world, but as someone who 
is courageous and able to 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 remain upright while in being honest and looking at all of the things that don't quite fit into all of these nice stories that we have for ourselves um, and have a type of strength in vulnerability. I'm reminded of this idea of the, the, the Buddha reaching his enlightenment under the, the, the bow tree and having this moment of saying, I, I see you house builder, the rafters are blown down. The, you know, it's this idea of just this whole artifice just kind of collapsing and just being able to stand there without it. Um, and yeah, get it. but then, I mean, in my life at least, then getting knocked down, but then trying to stand back up and then noticing that I built parts of the house again without noticing it. And then, you know, so it's this continual practice of practicing with the precepts. Um, since within the core ideas of Zen, the precepts are really about what we do um, in, in the world when a lot of Zen philosophy, it seems like, is kind of talking about things that we don't do or that we don't think, like non-dualism and these other ideas of just kind of don't, don't go there. Um, the precepts are these guidelines that still connect to that, um, but in a very different way. Um, and that it takes a lot of courage to kind of go on that path. Um, and I think that all of us then are aware of that. I think all of us are displaying that. Um, so, yeah, so I guess just keep practicing. <laughs>